Could we be forgiven for thinking there's a bit of a buzz in the air? The COVID-19 vaccine is finally rolling out in Australia. Our major listed travel companies are optimistic about the future, and there's also some rumour of an imminent announcement about a JobKeeper extension. As they say, it's always darkest before the dawn, and things are still pretty dark, but perhaps we might be at the beginning of the end. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper, and this is News on the Fly. This week, our major listed travel retail groups, Flight Centre and Hello World, have both reported their results for the first half of the financial year. While they understandably reported significant losses due to the closed borders, the companies did express optimism about the recovery that we all know must come soon. Let's start with Hello World. What were some of the highlights, Bruce? Uh, look, well, firstly, the financials. Um, for Hello World, they had a $21 million loss for the six-month period, turnover down almost 88%, and their revenue down 85% to just under $30 million. So, you know, significant hit from COVID. Of course, they've adjusted their costs, much less advertising, lots of redundancies on top of stand downs, and they've obviously been receiving money from JobKeeper, etc. Um, but they've managed to get their cash burned down to below $2 million a month, and they've got a fair bit of cash in the bank. So that means that they've got a what they say is a long runway to recovery and definitely putting things in place to capitalise on you know, the return from the pandemic. Um, look, there was also really interestingly a, quite a comprehensive update on their member networks and how they've shrunk, only reporting up to the 31st of December. And I know of several agencies which have closed or gone into administration since then. But the rhetoric that they're using is that the agency footprint is largely intact, obviously trying to differentiate themselves from Flight Centre that's closed many branches. Um, but they did note, you know, a significant number of members have closed their shop fronts and moved to a home-based operation, either on a temporary or a permanent basis. Having said all that, um, yes, currently there's, they're not charging any franchise fees until the end of June. I wonder how those numbers will change once people actually have to put their hand in their pocket to stay part of the group. We will see. And aside from the financials, what else came out of the Hello World results announcement? Yeah, look, all sorts of juicy bits and pieces. Um, there was confirmation from our story a couple of weeks ago that Hello World does now own 100% of the former majority Indigenous uh, TMC Inspire Travel Management, and that Dwayne Good, the previous joint venture partner, handed over his 60% for just $1. Also, more stuff on the acquisition front, the price tag for Cruise Co., which was, I think, you know, 300000 300, odd, um, which came with a whole lot of debt as well. They gave some free shares to a bunch of their staff, the senior executives, 800,000 shares actually, in recognition of the tough year they've had, um, with so many stood down for much of the last 12 months or so. And there was also confirmation that Hello World is going to take 100% ownership of the STA travel academic business. Uh, It's basically a TMC that specialises in um, travel for university staff. Um, and it was a joint venture between STA and TravelEdge. Hello World acquired TravelEdge, and uh, that came with this stake in STA Travel Academic. And then, of course, that was uh, all put in limbo with the collapse of STA Travel a few months ago. And what is Hello World predicting in terms of a recovery? Um, look, they're clearly re- reluctant to make any firm commitment, and they were. I felt a little bit negative about the prospects for the next few months. Um, they're still saying activity will be significantly suppressed for some months. But longer term, very optimistic, both about the vaccine rollout and the role that travel agents are going to need to play in a post-COVID world. You know, more people are going to be relying on the expertise. They're going to need expertise because to, to know what 
uh, passes, etc. they're going to need in terms of health to get into various places. And also, there is clearly a massive amount of pent-up demand. It's also interesting, they haven't been resting on their laurels in terms of technology development. And in particular, the release mentioned a new Ready Rooms product, the, the sort of accommodation bed bank system that Hello World runs uh, for its members. That's called Athena, and they're planning to launch it in July. And I'm pretty sure that that's built on the old Excite Holidays platform, which was very, very popular before Excite crashed and burned. It's under development in Greece. Hello World purchased the technology behind the system from the administrators, so hence the name Athena. And that's something that's going to be highly anticipated, I think. Mm, Okay. And then what about Flight Centre? What did their results look like? Um, Look, quite similar in terms of the... um, the percentage downturn, Flight Centre, obviously a bigger business, um, they recorded a six-month TTV globally of $1.5 billion, again, down about 88% uh, on the previous corresponding period. Uh, correspondingly, of course, um, a, a big loss, $317 million. But the release was extremely bullish about preparations for the recovery, being on the front foot. And they also mentioned that Ignite Holidays, that Gold Coast a business that Flight Centre bought from Randall Deere uh, was the first part of the company globally to be back in the black. So, so recording a profit in January on the top of, um, I think, you know, lots of domestic bookings, but also future crews. Flight Centre also stressed that it was really uh, continuing to invest quite heavily, in fact, at pre-COVID levels in new technology platforms for its both its leisure and corporate businesses. Huh. What's involved in those projects? Yeah, look, we haven't heard too much about these. Um, There's apparently a new system called Helio, which is for leisure consultants um, and, you know, set to simplify the selling process, I'm sure, by replacing six legacy systems and integrated them into one. Advisors can use it to search, quote, book, manage travel for their customers. Um, Apparently, it's already being deployed in Australia, um, also in the UK, South Africa and New Zealand. And next month, uh, we'll start to roll out in the USA as well. I think the plan is that the whole thing will be implemented by June or July. The second one they mentioned was a system called Melon. Again, they've come up with some good names. That's for SME, corporate customers, currently under test in the US, going to be launched in April. Uh, I think it's a sort of a mobile app which allows road warriors to book and manage their own trips. I suspect based on Circo technology, uh, Flight Centre's got a a big technology agreement with Circo about its uh, Xeno platform, which I presume they're adapting, customising and, you know, rebranding for their own thing. And look, thirdly, there's an in-house online booking engine called SOAR, S-O-A-R, which they reckon will have enhanced dynamic packaging capabilities. So definitely working hard on the technology side. And what about a timeframe for recovery? Did Flight Centre give any indication of what they're expecting or hoping for? Look, again, no firm commitment or predictions, um, but if domestic borders stay open and some low-risk international travel starts up again, uh, you know, in the coming months, Flight Centre reckons it could be back to break-even by Christmas. Keep an eye out for the latest issue of Travel Bulletin, coming in the first week of March. In this issue, Bruce Piper sits down with Ponant's Asia-Pacific chair, Serena Bratton, to discuss the challenges she has faced in attempting to get cruising restarted in Australia and New Zealand. Plus, read the seven reasons why Fiji should be the next place you plan a trip to. All this and more in the March issue of Travel Bulletin. Coming soon to travelbulletin.com.au. 
As if travel agents don't have enough to deal with through this pandemic, yet another disruption landed on their plates early this week when Emirates announced it would penalise them for booking through GDS systems rather than the shiny new Emirates gateway. What's behind this move, Bruce? Um, look, unfortunately, this is you know something with a definite air of inevitability for the, the future of the travel agency distribution. Uh, Lufthansa was one of the first to do this. Basically, what the airlines would like agents to do is to interact directly with them rather than through the GDS. The GDS lets them uh, compare you know, products with other, with other carriers, but also, of course, comes with a significant cost. We've seen British Airways, the Qantas Channel, um, and now Emirates, which uh, with a fanfare last year announced this Emirates Partners portal. And at the time I did ask them, you know, were you, were you planning to charge agents for GDS bookings? And the answer then was, you know, not at this stage. Uh, clearly, that was always on the roadmap. Um, and it's quite a lot that they're charging, quite a penalty for anyone who doesn't want to book through this new channel. Traditional GDS bookings are going to charge up to twenty US $25 per sector. Um, so that would mean that a return flight from Australia to Europe is going to cost US $100 extra if you do it through through the GDS. So quite, you know, punishing and I guess a big incentive. Emirates is saying that it's giving a whole lot of enhanced capabilities that may be on the roadmap, but I, I doubt that they're actually going to go live on day one, which is uh, the start of July. And has there been much of an outcry about this? Um, look, I haven't seen anyone, you know, really complaining about it. Understandably, of course, people have got other things on their minds. I think the timing has been a bit tricky for Emirates. Um, it came right on the tail of the Australian Open, which, of course, uh, Emirates is one of the major sponsors and would have hosted a whole lot of its uh, travel agent partners. You know, yes, as I said, there is an air of inevitability. It's likely to be uh, the way of the future. And you've got lots of other airlines. I didn't mention Singapore Airlines, but, you know, many, many others uh, will be working on similar initiatives. And, you know, it is all good in terms of giving access to a sort of fully a rich content experience for booking. But the complexities come when you try to book interline itineraries, servicing complex bookings, um, a lot of stuff that GDS is quite good at. And also, yes, as I mentioned, a problem if agents try to compare flights because one day, if this trend continues and it's not centralised in a, in a single portal, every airline might have its own booking portal. Um, so very hard to compare apples with apples. Interestingly, I would have also thought maybe this was something that after would have said something about, made a bit of noise, but complete radio silence from that angle. Mm. And speaking of after... We're now another week closer to that end of JobKeeper deadline at the end of next month. Is there any update on that front? Yeah, look, again, AFTER is busy with, with other things and, you know, much arguably much more important things, particularly, uh, you know, given the urgency of the situation that we're all facing. This week, AFTER did release the details of that Travel Sector Keeper survey that, that we mentioned last week, I think. It's a bit confusing. Confu they're now saying that 30% of travel agents will close after JobKeeper ends. Previously, they endorsed that small business uh, survey that claimed that 90% would disappear. I think last year they mentioned 40%. Look, it's going to be bad. But what was useful from this latest poll was that it did provide evidence for the government of the downturn in turnover that uh, we know most of the industry is continuing to experience. And also, there was finally a bit more detail on what AFTER is actually asking for in, in terms of that they're really after an extension of JobKeeper, but, you know, renamed, rebranded, you know, various different criteria until three months after the international borders open. So that's, you know, relatively sensible. And it does make it clear that, 
you know, those border closures is what is stopping the industry from being able to recover. So fingers crossed, my understanding is, or, you know, there's rumours that there will be some announcement from the government in the very near future about what any sort of post-JobKeeper support for the industry will look like. And regarding international border reopenings, is there any indication on that front at this stage? Yeah, like... um. Uh, Hello World and Flight Centre, it is, you know, you really need a crystal ball and it's good to be positive. But maybe the clearest indication came from Qantas's results, uh, which will also happen this week. Again, a big loss, $1.9 billion, you know, really reflecting the up and down nature of the border closures. And, you know, you can just imagine the nightmare that that has caused for Qantas, even on domestic. But interestingly, they're also forecasting at the moment that, uh, and planning for international flying to resume in October this year. Quite interesting in that they are continuing to sell long haul to London and Los Angeles in July. So yes, you know, is it October or is it July? And if it, if it is October, well, stop selling the flights that you don't believe are going to operate. They're also predicting a Tasman bubble uh, sooner than that. So let's really hope that that is an accurate prediction rather than another grab for cash, which I think, you know... It, Certainly my perception is that that was what was going on with that those July flights to Europe and, and the USA. I should also mention, in terms of optimism, uh, there is lots of demand for cruising. You know, the cruise companies are all saying that they're, they're getting very strong demand for 2022. Lots of positive noise in that space. And even from, you know, the, the industry's old enemy, Channel 9, which uh, came out so harshly against us all uh, back at the early stages of the pandemic. Interestingly, not from our old mate on a current affair, Brady Halls, but nevertheless, you know, some very good news in the wings. Let's hope so. Well, who would have thought that 12 months ago we would see flights resuming in October 2021 as a good news story? Well, that is all we have time for this week. Thank you as always for listening. We so appreciate your support. Uh, Please subscribe so that you don't miss out and keep up to date throughout the week with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and from Cruise Weekly. We'll be back next week with more news on the fly.